Hey guys, I am super impressed with how well our wildflower plant is doing in our pot. So I was thinking we should try and plant one out in the wild to see how it grows differently. So I have brought up a website here with instructions for how to plant wildflower seeds in the wild. And it says that we can do it in six simple steps. Do you think you can handle six steps? I think I can handle six steps. So let's get this party started. The first step is to identify the planting time which that's news to me because I thought we could just plant them whenever we wanted. So let's go and find out when the correct time to plant wildflowers is. It says, okay, first we need to identify whether we live in a warm climate or a cold climate. Okay, so I guess there's like part one of step one, but that's fine, we can handle that. It says, uh, okay, according to the map here, we live in a cold climate, so that's fine. Okay, so in the cold climate, we need to identify the last spring frost date chart. Okay, so we've got step one, part two. It's okay, we're still tracking. Okay, so here it says there's a couple different kinds of frost. There's light frost, killing frost, hard frost, and freeze. And three of those names actually are the same kind of frost. Okay, so step one, part three, is to identify which kind of frost we don't want. And it seems that light frost is okay, killing frost is bad. Okay, so killing frost ends at different times depending on where you live. Okay, cool. So they've got this handy list here. So step four, we need to find our city on this list. Step one, part four. Okay, I don't see our city. Oh but I do see Seattle and Portland. Okay, so we're just gonna go with the city closest to us. So Seattle says we can plant them in April and Portland says February. So those are two completely different times. So do we like just add them together and then divide? Oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming. I, have, I don't know when to plant my seeds. I thought I could just go out and plant them in the ground. Do you ever get overwhelmed when there's too many steps to something that you thought was gonna be a simple process? In the Bible, in the book of Colossians, Paul talks about just that. The people of the Bible had learned that God loved them, but they were afraid they wouldn't be able to love him back well. So they started creating all these rules about what it looked like to love God correctly. And then they started getting overwhelmed and discouraged, just like I'm feeling about trying to plant these wildflower seeds. So Paul writes to them and he says, don't worry, calm down. Our love for each other and our connection to one another and God will grow as God causes it to grow. Just like all the plants of the forest, they're not worried about what season they're in or whether or not there's enough water or sun or frost. They just grow because they know that God's gonna help them to grow. And we can have that same confidence knowing that God loves us and that he trusts that we're loving him back the best that we can. We don't need to worry about putting extra rules or steps in place, just let it grow organically, just like a wildflower would grow all by itself. You, you gotta love, you gotta love Kaya. I mean, she's got some gifts that obviously I don't have. Um, but before I do that, I do, I wanna go back to the candle for just a second. Um, for those of you guys who are on Facebook, you know, those of you guys who know me, I don't know Facebook very well, but I understand that you can do like a, you can take a picture of your candle and then like you can tag us, like CCCOG. So if you'll do that this morning, that'd be awesome. None of us in the room will see that, but you guys somewhere will see that. I don't know where you're going to see it. I don't understand Facebook. Uh, so I just, I failed to mention that earlier, and I want you to do that. So, um, and I'm going to be talking to you Facebook people here in a few minutes. So I appreciate Kaya and her 
just, um, just her gifting that she has. I mean, she writes all those things. Um, but what she said at the end, she says, we don't have to put rules or extra steps into place. And um, in Colossians, uh, second chapter, verse 8, I just want to read that to you. Just remind you, Pastor Mark mentioned it last week, so, or maybe the week before. I don't remember what week it was. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm so glad that we have this type of family relationship. I didn't even know it was on. And that, you know what that is? That's the redhead really working on me, right? Okay, I didn't even notice it was on. So um, if you don't know who the redhead is, you'll figure it out. But um, Colossians, Colossians 2.8, thank you, Pastor, D- uh, Pastor Dalen, Dr. Dalen. Well, that's, now we're really in trouble. If you know me, I will have a squirrel or two, and that's, that's just that. I apologize for that. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. That comes from the ESV. And Paul is just making the argument that, guys, it's, it's all about Christ. It's all about Christ. It's not about human rules. It's not about extra steps. It's all about Christ. So what I want you to do, I know that we're kind of small here, and I know on Facebook world, you probably have your dog still on your lap because someone's already sent me a picture. I haven't looked at it yet, but they've already sent me a through messenger, a picture of them and their dog, which I love them already. So I'll give you a shout out to who that is. You know who you are. But I wanna, what I want you to do is say to your neighbor, at least someone close to you, don't spit on them. Uh, I want you to say, it's all about Christ. Okay, that was pretty lame. I know we're small, but could we work a little bit harder? It's what? Yeah, now, now it sounds like we have 450 people in here. Nice job. Great job. All right. Here's the deal, guys. It's all about Christ. And so what happens is Paul, in the beginning of chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 14, he begins to, to, to make this framework of how we can make it all about Christ. And this morning, what I want you to do, I want to do a little, it should be odd for you, for me to say this. I want to do a little weird, couple weird things. One is, if you are just one of those people that like to close your eyes and hear the word of God, I want you to do that tonight, because we're going to have it be shared with us in just a moment. If you are like a reader and you need to read it on the screen, you'll be able to see it. Either way, what I want you to do is, I want you to note Either, either physically write something or put it in your head. I want you to go, that, that's, that's a word. That, that, that really catches my attention. Maybe there's a phrase as you listen. And I just want you to kind of take, take note of that. Let's take a listen. So, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too. The real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, Be content with obscurity, like Christ. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, 
doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. But you know better now, so make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Isn't that awesome? Never be without it. All right. Uh, just give me any shout-out. Give me a word. Anything you heard? Obscurity? Pursue? Love? Okay, good. Um, originally, if we were to have been a normal service, I was going to ask one of my, uh, one of my good friends, uh, because she's been in the room with me, and when I draw, she get, when I write, she gets mad. She doesn't get mad. She's got school background. I won't tell you who it is, Ellen Davis. But um, she gets upset with me. <laughs> Not upset, that's the wrong word. Because I, I don't write very well. Uh, Tammy says I talk the way I write, and I don't write very good. So that's how it is. Um, these are my words. These are my five words that I want to talk to you about this morning that really just jumped out at me as I was listening and I was reading. And I, Guys, I listened to this text multiple, multiple times in the last few weeks. And so I want to dive in. And here is, is what I just, I love how Paul starts in chapter 3. Remember, he's talking to Christ followers, all right? And this is what he says. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Has, has anyone ever said to you, act your age? It happens to me all the time, by the way. And I'm still, I, I claim that I'm, I'm in a six-year-old body, but I still act like a 12-year-old. I am. That's, that's kind of where my heart is. And so I resonate a little bit with Paul saying, act like it. But I think that Paul is really throwing down for us. I think he wants to know, are we serious? Are we serious about this Christ-following thing? Are, are we going to act like we're serious? And, um, if, and, and I, I think he's asking us, are, are we willing to take the leap? Are, are we willing to take the plunge? Because it's all about Christ. And if it's going to be all about Christ, are we going to be serious and are we going to act like it? So guys, I got a little visual for you just to kind of see what it might look like for us to take a plunge. And look, check this form out. Oh, look at that. What's amazing, it goes backwards. That's what I like the best. But look at this form. 
He's all in, guys. He's does his, he does his backflip. He's in. I think Paul's asking you and I, are you willing to take the plunge and make it all about Christ? And I think that's something that we really need to ask today. Recently, I uh, had read a, read a statement from a guy by the name of uh, Will Mancini. He, um, he's, he's written a book. It's called Future Church. And what I'm about to read to you is very painful. It's been painful for me to read. It's been painful for me to listen to. It's been painful for me to process. But I think it's a good word that we need to hear. So this is what he says. And this is not to our direct church, but this is to the church probably mainly in America. Our churches primarily produce worship attenders who attend a small group Bible study. Well, maybe 50% of the worship attenders attend a small group and, and who serve in one of the ministries of the church. And most of the service opportunities focus on making the worship experience happen. Worship, tech, greeters, ushers, preschool, kids, students. He continues... I'm not saying that worship services or small groups or serving in the ministries of the church are bad. I want you to hear that. He's not saying that they're bad. But this is what he is saying. I'm saying that, unfortunately, the regular scheduled programming in most churches does not automatically or consistently produce a growing number of whole life, transformed, living on mission kinds of Jesus disciples. I'm going to read that to you one more time. I'm saying that, unfortunately, the regular schedule programming in most churches does not automatically or consistently produce a growing number of whole life transformed, living on mission kinds of disciples. We don't produce disciples primarily. We produce attenders. Can we just say collectively, ouch? Could you say ouch for me? Thank you, because it, it hurts me. It's like, it's like having a, you know, a Band-Aid and it just rips off and the, the nurse or doc put it on there with all your, they should have shaved it because it hurts. It's, it's painful for me to hear that. But I want you to say, I, I, I do, as I say that, I want to say this, there's hope. There's hope. Here at CCCOG, guys, our vision is to transform the spiritual landscape of our community for generations to come. For me, guys, those are not just words that are written on that wall before that church office. There are more than that to me. It's my end game. And if I'm honest with you, and this maybe sound a little bit morbid, but it shouldn't surprise you. Guys, I'm 60 years old. All right? Let's do the math. My mom just passed away in July. She was 91. My dad passed away in 2006, and he was 77. If I do the math, I probably got a good 25 years. I got 25 years to create disciples that will change the spiritual landscape for generations to come. That's how we should be thinking, guys. Oftentimes, guys, I will think I'm 60, so what happened 70 years ago? A generation. That's about 70 years. What was happening 70 years ago that put my life in a different trajectory? I, would, I, I put it back to my mom because it was in the late 40s that she would give her heart to Christ. That changed my trajectory of my life. 
And if I go 70 years back from that, it, it's funny. It's probably the holiness movement that was happening out of the Church of God in some Midwest town that I don't even want to call. Uh, I mean, I don't know who those people are. But somebody said, hey, we ought to go out to that west part of the world because they're messed up. And there's going to be a guy named Elmer. He's going to need Jesus. See, someone was thinking 140 years ago about what it might look like in the year 2020. We need to start thinking about that, guys. We need to start thinking about that. Guys, that is probably, that is probably the single reason why I love Learning Lab. I love Learning Lab, guys. Because we're investing in kids. Kids like Matthew and Olena and Antoine. And I get to see them every Tuesday and every, every Thursday. I can't see their masks. I assume I can't see their smiles because their masks are on. But I know that we're making a difference in their life. And if I, I see the, the value of it because I saw what took place last spring when my kids, my grandkids, were struggling with, on, uh, with online learning. And they've got a pretty supportive family. Yeah, you know, we're, we're pretty tight. The brothers, the brothers that are here, we're pretty tight. The, the girls that are in their life, we're all pretty tight. We're all, we all kind of love on each other. So it's not like they didn't have support. And so I'm thinking, if my grandkids who would struggle and they got support, what if we got families in our community that don't have that support? That's why I love Learning Lab, guys. Because I think that it will change generations. I think for the Matthews and for the Lenas and for the Antons of the world, and I got permission from each of their parents to say their names, because I wanted you to know they're real. They're walking into our doors. I think it's awesome. Because I think that their future will be different because of the time that I'm spending with them today. We've got to start thinking generationally, guys. If we're all in, if we're going to get serious, we've got to start thinking generationally. Recently, Pastor Devin and I, we don't know what we're doing, so I'll preface that. But we've started a podcast. It's called Form Journey Podcast. Um, we are t- we're talking about two things, unless I have a squirrel, and, I, and then we go that way. But for the most part, we're talking about discipleship. We're talking about reproducible discipleship. And we're talking about kingdom stories because we believe dev and i believe that god is at work and when he is at work we need to hear it and guess what this is maybe news to you but you spend a whole lot more time away from this building than you do in the building i don't you guys realize that think about it you're doing some incredible things at work all the time and god is breaking through and we want to celebrate those things and so that's, that's what Devin and I are doing. The other thing that we do here at our church, we have Form, which is our discipleship model that we use. And um, if you want to have any information on either one of those, you can go to, oh, it's right there, formjourney.com is for the podcast. If you're interested in the discipleship model that we've chosen to use here in Form, you can go to formwa.com. That's F-O-R-M-W-A.com. Because we're not the only Form. We got, there's one in... Uh, Indiana, there's one in Kansas City, and there's actually one in Portland. So it's not just us by ourselves doing something. We're collectively working with others. Guys, we need to get serious, and we need to act like it. And we need to start thinking generationally, guys. We need, we need to think generationally. All right. Looking at Colossians, back to Colossians. 
I want, I want to be kind of focused in on verses 5 through 9 of chapter 3. Because if we're going to be all in, if we're going to be serious, if we're going to dive in, if we're going to act like it, what, what do we have to do? Hopefully it's not new rules, because Paul's kind of made that clear. It's not a rule, it's not, we're not adding something, but there's something that we need to remove. And let's, let's, let's listen to what he says. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immor- immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Any words on this list maybe catch your attention? Any, any, of, those, any of those descriptions that go, hmm, I might, might, might struggle with that once in a while. I want you to take note of them. And then what I want you to do is I want you to figure it out. What might God be saying to you? Because I'm probably not going to answer that question for you today. But maybe he's wanting to have a conversation. Because what it takes to be all about Christ is that those things need to be removed. Because he makes it very clear, you once walked. He says you once walked. That's a past tense. Verse 9 says, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. In his mind, it's done. In Paul's mind, once you remove it, it's gone. And Paul gives us the list to remove, and, and then he says, hey guys, not only do we need to remove some things, but we need to replace it with. And if you take a look at verses 12 and 13, it says, put on then... As God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, so that the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. In a few moments, I'm going to kind of unpack that thought of forgiveness a little bit bit more. But I want to make an observation. I love his transition between with with the second half of verse 9 and verse 10 seeing that you've put off your old self with its practices in verse 10 you have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator let me give you my thoughts okay this is elmer i think you guys know that i'm not a scholar i'm just an average dude But guys, when we remove the list, the yucky one, the one that kind of makes us uncomfortable when we hear those words, because we may be still holding on to them, and we replace it with Paul's list, which are the really cool one, the cool list, we will bear the image of our creator. Meaning, when we go do life, we go do life in our home, in our work, in our play, those who are around us will be in the presence of our creator because we will be representing him. That's crazy to me. But I think that's what Paul's trying to tell me. I don't know what he's telling you, but I think that's what he's telling me. When we remove that stuff and we replace it 
that we will then be representing Christ. Guys, I want to focus in on my last two words was forgiveness and love. But before we do, I want to take a short squirrel moment. And it's an intentional squirrel, so I guess it can't really be a squirrel. But I want to, I want to take a look at verse 11. If you'll just take a look at it with me. Here there is no, not Jew, Greek, circumcised, uncircumcised, slave, free. But Jesus, it's all and all. I want to, I want to give you a couple other words. Democrat, Republican. Liberal, conservative, right, and left. Can you see it? I think Paul does. Paul says it's all about Jesus. He says it's all about Christ. I think maybe we need to be reminded of that. And I want to give you a little help, just a little help. I do not know this guy. His name is Dr. Paul Eddy, but I know a good friend of his. Her name is Stephanie. And um, he, he's actually answering, he's on a panel with a, with, a, with a guy named Greg Boyd. And they're answering these questions. And this was taped probably 10, 12 years ago. But let's take a listen. It's just short. And he's going to tell us a thought. Let's play. Because religion goes to the heart of the deepest, most profound things we believe, and politics goes to the heart of how we think humans should interact on this planet. What does Jesus tell us? Love God and love others. This gets down, religion and politics are the very core of who we are in terms of relationships, God and other people. And it can trigger amygdala, that reptilian part of your brain, so quickly when someone disagrees with you on this stuff that we hold so dear. And I think one of the chief spiritual disciplines of a follower of Jesus is to learn how to hear someone challenge us theologically, politically, these things that trigger us so easily, and to learn to not find our worth there and just to let go. Not, not letting go of truth. You're just letting go of having to prove to this person that you're the right one now and enter into dialogue and, and do that in a, in a way that doesn't invest your worth in, in the outcome of that conversation. Guys, I hope that's helpful for you. And, and I would use the word worth, I would use the word identity. That we wouldn't put our identity in what we're trying to um, put forth. Because guys, Paul says it's all about Christ. That's who it's about. It's all about Christ. Guys, forgiveness is big. Forgiveness is big. And um, it, it, it's a stumbling block for many of us. And um, I just, I, I think there's a reason why Paul emphasizes it not once, not twice, but three times in 14 words there in Colossians in that third chapter. And I want to show you a video clip that shouldn't surprise you. It's not from a movie, it's from a sitcom. And I want to I give you quickly the background. It is from the, movie, it's from the sitcom uh, Big Bang Theory. And Leonard has a, this really, really, really difficult relationship, really difficult relationship with his mother. In fact, it's maybe non-existent. And he um, is so excited. He has spent the day with his mom. She's been at his lab. They've been hanging out. He's had this great time. And then he realizes, he realizes that his mom was only doing research for her next book. So let's hear 
Leonard's response. Tony, can I have a moment alone? Yeah, I... <laughs> have you calmed down? No, I'm not calm. He really hurt me. That wasn't my intention. It doesn't matter what you intended. What matters is the way you made me feel. Actually, the way you've always made me feel. I see. So you're here to tell me all the ways that I failed you as a mother. Yeah. And get comfortable, because it's a long list. Is it happening soon? <laughs> You know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're never going to change. If I want you to accept me for me, then I guess I'm going to have to accept you for you. So... I forgive you. I didn't ask you to forgive Too me. bad. I forgive you anyway. <laughs> and I forgive myself for taking so long to do it. Oh, my God, that feels so good. I must admit it. It does feel good. What does? You forgiving me. It means a lot. Thank you. their first hug. Genuine hug. Guys, forgiveness is tough. And it's not going to be finished in a two minute and eleven minute, two minute, eleven second clip. But I think there's a reason why Paul emphasized so much. Because one, it's hard. And we acknowledge that. But I think, I think guys, I think we hold on the stuff that needs to be removed, some of the malice and the slander and all that stuff. We, we could add gossip in there. I think we keep that, we keep a hold of that because we're, we're not forgiving. I just want to encourage you guys to forgive. Team, you want to come up? The last one is love. And I don't know if Pastor Mark is this brilliant or not. He may be. He'll tell us next week. But guys, it's verse 14 on February 14th on Valentine's Day. Listen what it says. And above all things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And in, and in the message, this is what it says in the message, because I love what it says in the message. It says, and regardless of what you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Love. We need to cover ourselves with love. That's going to how we're going to be able to forgive. That's going to be how we're going to be able to remove. That's going to be how we're going to be able to replace. And it's going to help us get serious and act like it. It's going to be love.
Heavenly Father, what a great joy we have to be in your fellowship. Thank you that this morning that we could gather together, if it would, at home or here, but your presence was with us. The Holy Spirit has been with us, and we thank you for that. We ask that you continue to shape and mold us into your image, and let's make it all about Christ. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.